Welcome to Ave Spotlight. Today we are talking to Jenny Hubbard. We're going to talk all about hope and finding sanctuary for yourself. Welcome, Jenny. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Yes. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself. So I am first and foremost a mom. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Of two. I have a 16-year-old. He was eight when Catherine died. And of course, Catherine, the reason for the book was six. I mean, she was lost in Sandy Hook. And I've become a writer, not by professional training through my work, Magnificat, and now writing Finding Sanctuary. And I am realizing Catherine's dream of a place of healing and compassion for all animals by creating the Catherine Violet Hubbard Animal Sanctuary in Newtown, Connecticut. Wow, that is so awesome. Tell us more about your animal sanctuary and where that came from. The animal sanctuary was born out of a mistake, believe it or not. I believe and trust that it was God's true prompting of where we needed to go in the days, months, and now years since Catherine died. We were writing her obituary, and it was a omission of a simple word of control. We thought we were asking for contributions to go in Catherine's memory to the Animal Control Center aka the pound (laughs) at six, Catherine just loved, she loved animals. She was well-versed on animal welfare and the issues plaguing the animal world. Just she loved animals. And I think that when I stopped and thought about, you know, her obituary and well, what's her cause, because now that's the norm, like let's support a cause that that person believed in. It's not a cause, it's a heart. So we honored her heart of animals by asking for contributions to go to the animal center of Newtown, leaving out the word control, directed those funds to an animal rescue organization. It was for women. They rescued cats. They were starting to um, get into rescuing dogs and placing animals in families' homes. They came into our dining room. They said, we received over $100,000 in Catherine's memory. We really feel like a great use of these funds would be in creating a sanctuary. Now, at that time, we had a dog that we adopted from on the back of a pickup truck. I had no idea that we were supporting an animal rescue. Hmm. And I said, what's a sanctuary? Hmm. And they described what they saw the sanctuary being. And it was a place of healing, a place of compassion, a place where children could look in the eyes of a deer, a lamb, a dog, a cat, a kitten, a puppy, and see their own innate beauty. And as they were describing this place of sanctuary and what they thought would be a really nice use of donations in Catherine's memory, I could see Catherine and I could feel her love and her commitment to the creatures that she would gather in close, whether they were real or stuffed animals. She, she made a commitment to them that she would care for them. And um, we said, okay, let's do this. And seven years later, we've done it. We have 34 acres from the state of Connecticut. We've launched programming that teaches kids how to be kind to the creatures in their midst and protect habitats, whether that's their home or their backyard or the sanctuary property. And we've kept animals in their rightful habitats. We help seniors keep their pets We collaborate with rescues, help them get animals into homes. And we provide safe haven for wildlife, and eventually farm animals up at the property. Wow. What a beautiful mission. I'm sure Catherine would be so proud. 
her little heart would love all the little animals. That is so sweet. Oh my gosh. So sanctuary seems like it's a word that has followed you for quite a while. And you have your book, Finding Sanctuary. Tell us a little bit about that. So I really do believe that sanctuary, uh, you read and you hear that God chases you down. Mm. He's relentless. He will, he's unwavering in his chasing. And I really believe that that chasing for me was and is encountering sanctuary. And what I found is that sanctuary has been this place of healing and compassion for me, a gift, I believe, from God that he wants all of us to have. I mean, for for me, writing the book and really exploring and thinking about and capturing those places where I've discovered sanctuary, I believe has been God's healing of my heart. I think that sanctuary is a place where we all can encounter. We don't need 34 acres in the middle of Newtown. I believe that sanctuary is a place where we just discover our hearts. I think it's it's sitting in quiet prayer. It's journaling. It's in friendships. It's that place where our hearts can just sigh and exhale into what I believe are, are God's loving arms. You are speaking truth to life, dropping real truth bombs on us. I, yeah, I myself have a really hard time kind of settling in and like reflecting. And especially when I'm challenged with just being silent and just, I cannot be quiet. So I can't imagine what that looks like practically. When people explain it, I'm like, that sounds like a good idea in theory. But practically, I like can't imagine what that'd be like to just not be talking in my own brain. So, right. I know. I know. So, when you were writing your book, did you feel like the idea of finding a place where you could be calm and find sanctuary for yourself? How do you feel like that helped you grow as a person? I really do believe that writing the book forced me to sit down and really reflect on those unexpected places in my life where I found truth. I know in my mind where I find that peace and that place of quiet. And it's not always quiet. I had in my mind for a very long time that prayer was in a perfect spot with the perfect atmosphere a cup of tea steaming beside me. And I can sit and say, look at me, God, look at how beautiful my prayer time is. Look at my prayer space. And I do believe that that quiet time where you do sit down with a cup of tea and the light streams in is so important, but it's not the end all be all for God. We will have those moments of just quiet stillness when we really, really work hard. But I believe that writing the book was a reminder for me, almost an etching into stone of it doesn't always have to be that way. There's moments of grace in the everyday acts that we do for life. When we write about it in the book, when we pack a lunchbox, that's great. And that's a moment of sanctuary that's given to us. I think the problem is for myself that a lot of times I am so fast forward on completing a task and checking a box so that I can say I'm this wonderful you know, person that can accomplish the world. And that's really not what our heavenly father wants for us. That's not what Christ died for us <laughs> to do, not check the box, but to give him 
the power and the honor and the glory. What I realized in writing the book is how we do that in those things that he's called us to do and not huge, you know, earth shattering or mountain moving events. The way that we do that is in doing what he's called us to do. And that's love other people through our friendships, forgive to offer those things that we do every single day in honor of him. He grants us and gives me and all of us in our own ways, opportunities to do things and ask that we not do it when grumbling because they're for our good. So, you know, packing a lunchbox doesn't seem like it's anything glamorous or, you know, Facebook worthy (laughs) in this world, but it's so important because we don't know what we're doing today, how that's going to impact what someone else or what we are able to do tomorrow. I write about it in the book that I could have very easily laid in bed and not gotten up and packed the lunchbox. And I, I dare say, if I didn't get up and pack that lunchbox, I probably would have given myself permission to not get up tomorrow and pack another lunchbox. If I'd closed the garage door and not accepted invitations to friendships, I probably would have missed out on friendships that are rich and powerful in my life. And in prayer time, I think that if I had not accepted the call of just sit at your kitchen table and pray, I don't think I would have grown in in my faith and have my heart transformed to this place of longing for stillness, whether it's just washing the dishes, that's a place of stillness. That's a place of sanctuary because we can close our eyes and know that God is right here beside us. Wow, that is so powerful. And I feel like the theme of forgiveness has been really up, right? Especially in the past year, it's been something that everyone's talking about. And I wonder for you, like, how has forgiveness helped empower you? How has that helped you kind of move forward? And I'm sure find sanctuary for yourself. It helps you feel at peace with yourself. But I know sometimes when we talk about forgiveness, it seems like a good theoretical idea, but practically we're not really sure how to actually do it. So what does that look like for you? For me, it was first understanding what forgiveness is in the sense of true forgiveness. As I was reading the scriptures, they seemed to come alive to me. The whole idea of releasing someone from a debt switched it for me. When I realized that forgiveness was not about the other person. It was about myself, releasing myself from the anger and the resentment and the bitterness that I felt that someone owed me. They owed me an apology. They owed me an invitation. How dare they? When all of those thorns got tangled up, they would fester and they would just nag and irritate. And I realized that forgiveness is about releasing those things that I thought I was due and realizing that I'm afforded much, so much. And for me to think that, okay, you owe me something else is really unrealistic. And it's a hard concept to think about and wrestle with. I think that for a long time, in my mind, I had forgiveness as this thing where it was a whole idea of 
someone would come, they would ask for forgiveness, everything would go right back to the way that it was. And all of the things that they had done wrong would be done right and done in the way that I expected them to be done. And that's exactly. not forgiveness. That's never going to happen. I mean, but that's definitely how it works though, right? That's <laughs> no, not how it happens. We can forgive. When we forgive, I've come to accept that forgiveness is an acknowledgement that we were hurt. Mm. When we're quick, I think we're quick to forgive because we have to release that hurt. We have to let someone know that, that we were hurt by something or we hurt someone else through our deeds, through our actions, through our words, or through our not doing any of those things. When we release that debt and we think that we can go back to normal, we fail to acknowledge that something you, know, you can't forget because you're going to go do it again. Relationships have to grow from that point. It's either a, I'm going to be gentle with myself and put boundaries up and I'm going to love myself to know that being in a certain situation creates this feeling of bitterness and resentment. So I'm just going to hand that over to God and I'm going to put barriers and boundaries. And I've hurt someone. I've been forgiven. Mm. I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that I'm a better person because of that, that I'm not going to hurt them again. And I believe that's our relationship with Christ. Mm. He forgave us. He forgave our sins. And when the realization that we were forgiven, we were wiped clean. I don't want to cause harm to the one who forgave me ultimately. And so everything I do and everything I say comes through a filter of, Am I going to offend again? And I will. I am. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> yeah, I was like, 100%. Will. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> the grace and the beauty that we're afforded is that when we do, when we are quick to ask for forgiveness, we are quick to be forgiven. And I believe that we have to do the same in return. We have to be quick to forgive and we have to be quick to change our pattern so that we don't do it again. And the hope is that same attitude and that same philosophy will carry through to the person that we're most resentful of, the person that you don't get invited to the party and you're so mad and you're just so hurt and how dare they? And you hope that the party is a big flop. Oh, exactly. (laughs) For sure. A hundred percent. It it like snowballs down this road and we don't ever, like we want redemption. We want- I want what I think is justice for sure, where I'm like, I really hope that nobody shows up. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. I hope it rains. I hope (laughs) it rains. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, it's that's not who we're called to be. So I think that a long way around the horn, I really do think forgiveness, or I've come to the place right now, this could change in another year. For me, forgiveness is about a change in my perception, a change in my attitude, whether it's how I am treating the person that I am extending forgiveness to or how I'm treating the person that has given me the grace of forgiving me. Wow, that is so powerful. I've really been pondering forgiveness myself lately, and I love that. And forgiveness really does give us freedom from resentment. I love when you said that, because I think that resentment can be something that we get comfortable with. And then when we're not resentful, like when I have nothing to be angry about, it almost is like I'm losing my personality. Like I'm losing a part of myself because I'm just existing as someone that is angry. Not to say that being righteously angry is wrong, but it's just interesting when it just combines so much with who we are as people, but we're not made to be those people. 
And so separating ourselves from that is almost like jarring because you forget or I forget how to exist as someone that's not mad all the time. So we're not supposed to be angry. We're not supposed to be angry. And we're also not supposed to beat ourselves up when we've been hurt and we've been so egregiously hurt that we cry and it hurts like, Oh my gosh, my heart or that person hurt me. I'm so disappointed. That's okay. It may take us years to forgive someone for something that they've done. We may never come to a place of true forgiveness where we are like, ah, that doesn't even come to mind anymore. Someone egregiously offends me and I feel it bubbling up. I thought I forgave this person and here it is again. Okay, Lord, here's that feeling again. I'm going to give it to you. Can you open my eyes to see what it is that's bristling? What is it in me that is causing me to have this feeling of resentment? Because I know that's not from you. So just show me, open my eyes. And eventually, I think eventually what happens is we become softer. Mm. We become much softer to the bristling. And so when that feeling of resentment, when that feeling of unforgiveness bubbles up in us, we have time. We've been trained to say, okay, I know what this really is. And it's, I'm hurt because of this. It's not that person. It's my heart. So I feel my heart. heart. That is a word. Oh my gosh. I am. I'm telling you though, it is releasing that demon of anger. I just, I mean, (laughs) it's like, I hear everything you're saying, but I'm like, I just would rather be angry though. (laughs) And you know, I've thought about it and thought about it and thought about it, you know, and I, I write about it in the book. We say thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then we're like, well, no, we got the earth part. (laughs) No, <laughs> you got the heaven, we got the earth. And, you know, we're praying for it, we're praying for it, we're praying for it. Okay, let's accept it. God's saying, I'm helping you create my kingdom here on earth, my kingdom of peace, my sanctuary here on earth. But you're not doing it because you're so angry. <laughs> mm. I'm sure that there were times where God was like, go ahead, girl, you got it. <laughs> I know, I'm like, okay. Thing. Yeah, I'm like, do you yes, right here. It's such an, I mean, we are imperfect people, right? So it's such an interesting thing. It's like, I, yeah, there are many times where I'm like, I'm doing this right. I'm forgiving this person. I'm doing this. Like I'm clear. I am spiritually free because I'm good. And then there are other moments where I'm like, my roommates will be like, I don't know, like, should I forgive them? They really, I mean, they hurt my feelings or whatever. I'm like, no, 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 hold on. Like punish them, you know, (laughs) like punish them, like be horrible. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your insight. It was definitely necessary, at least for me to hear even this morning. <laughs> so thank you so much. This has been fun. Yeah. Yes. I was like, so I appreciate it. So at the end of every one of our episodes, we ask our guests what their hope for the week is. So this could be something that you're looking forward to, something you're hopeful for. I can go first if you need some time, or you can go first if you're ready. How are you feeling? Well, why don't you go first? Okay. So something that I am hopeful for, I've applied to graduate school for my master's in clinical health counseling. I'm very excited about it. And I took the GRE on Easter Monday, which I was like, maybe if I take it on Easter Monday, God will be like, she took it on the day after my resurrection. So she, I'm going to grant her getting into school, you know, just trying to manipulate God's plan. So I feel like I'm really excited. I hope that I get in. I'm hopeful for hearing back from schools and 
that that is the trajectory that God wants for my life, but it could totally be something else. So I am also hopeful that God will give me grace if it is not the trajectory for my life right now. So we'll see. But how about you? I am hopeful for, so we've pushed the book out to a lot of different people and I am hopeful that God opens the eyes and the hearts of the people that need to see and read the book. That's what I'm hopeful for. There's a couple people in mind where I've been like really excited. Like, are they reading the book? What did they think? Like, are they going to give me feedback? And I'm hopeful that those people somehow respond or that God gives me wisdom to know. Hold tight, sister. My timing. (laughs) Mm, Yes. Oh my gosh. His timing is always great. Always opportune, but always super annoying. So yes, no, so I get it. Really annoying. (laughs) It's like, so I totally get it. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Well, hey, I mean, as someone that read your book, you know, just in one day, it was so powerful. And I was very honored to have learned from your experiences. And now, especially to talk to you in person is truly like meeting a celebrity. So thank you for... Thank you for, you know, chatting with me and spending time. Tell us where we can find out more about you and what you're up to and what you're doing. You can learn about me through the Catherine Violet Hubbard Animal Sanctuary. And I write a blog. It's cvhfoundation.org. Or you can read the book. You can buy it at Ave. And between the sanctuary and the book, you're going to know more about me than you really want to know. Sweet. That's awesome. Well, we're going to put all of that in our show notes so people can check this out. But We are so grateful to have spoken to you today and I'm so happy to know you now because all knowing has just turned into internet knowing. So I feel like now we are friends. So I are friends and it has been a fun time this morning. So thank thank you so much. And we'll talk to you soon. You got it. Thank you guys for listening and thank you to Jennifer for being our guest. Make sure to check out the Catherine Violet Hubbard Animal Sanctuary, and more information about that in our show notes. Also, Jennifer's book, Finding Sanctuary. I read it in one day. It's a beautiful read. As always, have a great day. I am so blessed to be hosting this podcast, and I'm looking forward to talking with y'all next week. Please pray for me. I'll be praying for you. God bless. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit Spokestreet.com.